Reading is from John 15. John 15, verses 1 to 17. And this is a continuation from uh, last week. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is the word of God. Good morning, church. A privilege to be here this morning and share with you. It's been a very interesting summer for me as I had the privilege of going to Thailand for three weeks and learning about the work of Bible translation of language development and related ministry in some of the neighboring countries that are predominantly unreached people groups. Some of the some of these people groups have zero Christians. Uh, and some others have a very small church. And just to, to hear the joys and the struggles of that ministry was such a blessing for me. And then also I had the privilege of celebrating 40 years of marriage to my, my bride. <laughs> and so God is faithful. He brought us together and has sustained us through many joys, through many struggles, through much work. Let's, as we look at John 15, let's pray for, for God's Spirit to move among us. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that 
you are present and working in each life. Help us to listen to you, to be nudged by you, to be moved by you, to be taught by you. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, Jesus, for all you accomplished when you were on earth and all you are doing in and through us today. Help us to listen. To be open to what you have for us today in this season of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage, Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to his 12 disciples. But I would suggest that whenever, or most of the time when Jesus is speaking to his 12 disciples, he's also speaking to the future disciples, which is all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, who are seeking to follow Jesus, who are Christians. And so let's try to understand what Jesus has for you and I in this season of our lives. So one, this talks about fruitful. So do you want to be fruitful? In the first two verses of this, Jesus calls us, his disciples, branches. And there's two kinds of branches. Branches that produce fruit and branches that don't produce fruit. And there's two different consequences to those. The branches that do not produce fruit are cut off. And what happens to branches that are cut off of the, the tree or the vine? They die. We all know they can't survive. And so, of course, the spiritual lesson is if we're not producing fruit and we're cut off, we will die spiritually. And those who are producing some fruit, what happens to them? They're pruned. Do we like being pruned? If, if a tree had feeling, I think the, pr- the tree would say, no, don't prune me. It's too painful. Anything being cut off to us brings an image of pain, of, of something uncomfortable. And although my examples today are more of sort of good things being pruned, of course, God is pruning sin as well. Uh, He's pruning many different things. But with pruning for a tree, it means some of the leaves and some of the sub-branches or the twigs are being cut off. But it's being cut off, at least here in Nova Scotia, the pruning is mostly done in winter when the tree is more dormant. And the growth happens in the spring and in the summer. And the growth is predominantly producing more fruit bigger and better fruit. And that's the whole goal of pruning. The farmer doesn't prune just for the joy of pruning or for because the tree looks better. Because actually, right after the pruning, the tree looks terrible, looks ugly. But once the growth starts, the tree looks much better because the growth is much healthier growth. And what What are some examples of pruning in our own lives? Have you heard of David Wilkerson, who started Teen Challenge? Teen Challenge is a ministry to young adults who are involved in alcohol or drugs. 
Anyway, David Wilkerson was a pastor near, in the state of New York, near New York City. And he had a habit of watching TV at the end of his day, which was midnight to 2 a.m., which is very different than the end of my day. But he would watch TV. And the Lord sort of spoke to him sometime about that TV. And so in 1958, David Wilkerson said, Lord, what would happen then if I got rid of the TV and prayed that time instead? And the Lord continued to move him. He did sell his TV, and he started praying those two hours. During one of those prayer times, there was a Life magazine, and at first he thought he was interested in it to avoid the discipline of prayer. But it kept on nudging him. He picked it up and read an article about a gang that was on trial in New York City. God led him to go to that gang, start ministering to them, and this is what led to the ministry of Teen Challenge. So increased fruitfulness for David Wilkerson meant pruning the TV from his life, investing in prayer, and being open to go somewhere where he was not comfortable, connecting with this gang. When I was in Thailand last month, I met a lady from Mexico. When she was three years old, she said that she wanted, that she planned to be a missionary. When she was 17, she went to a mountainous area of Mexico and was ministering to the children and the women because the, the policies and practices of her church only permitted her to minister to children and women. But she soon realized that ministering to them in Spanish wasn't helpful because very, very few of them understood Spanish. So she worked at learning their language and ministering to them in their language. After two years of this, she went to theological school. But that created a problem because no, pretty well none of her family would speak to her because her church taught that women should not go to theological school. So she had to prune some of the thinking and that she had been taught growing up. It was in this school that she learned about Wycliffe, about Bible translation. And so she started praying to God, God, show me where you want me to minister. And each morning she was using, she was praying for an unreached people group. And one morning she was praying for one of them in Asia. This is a people group that had no Christians at all, no missionaries, no church no scriptures in their language. And she sensed very much God telling her, this is where you are to go. Well, she argued with God at first. Said, well, I'm willing to serve you full time, but keep me close to home, please. But God didn't let go. And eventually she did go to Asia. She had been there for five years, learning the language, ministering to the people, and starting to work on developing their language and translating a few verses uh, to start with. So again, there's things that she had to prune out of her life to be as fruitful as God wanted her to be. When I was, many years ago, living on PEI, then our church started a 
a visitation program during the week. And we would go out two by two, uh, one evening a week. And in order to do that, to participate in that, I had to give up something else uh, that I was doing in the evening, one of the sports I was playing, because I couldn't be gone every evening with uh, three young children at home. Then, as time went on, God was calling Wilma and I to Wycliffe. That required more pruning, including my job in Charlottetown as a Crown Prosecutor and the security of, of a salary. We had to trust him for our future, and God has been faithful. Now, I'm not saying to any of us that we need to join a mission agency, that we need to serve God full time in order to be more fruitful. God's call and his invitation, his pruning in your life and my life is different for each one of us. The key isn't to compare ourselves to someone else. It's to understand what God is saying to you and walking in obedience in the step that he's taking. It could be pruning some sin out of your life. It could be pruning something good in your life for something better. And for all of us who are Christians, we should desire to be fruitful. Because that's the purpose of pruning. That's the purpose of, of our life in Christ is to bear fruit. Because what happens to a branch that is not bearing any fruit? It gets cut off and dies. And so if, if you're struggling to desire to be more fruitful, to desire to be fruitful, you need to ask yourself and pray to God to reveal to you how to change that. Secondly, what does being fruitful mean? In verse 8 of our text, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So one element of fruitfulness is to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Fruit that brings glory to God will not first and foremost bring glory to ourselves and is not motivated by selfishness. Just think about the good deeds you did this past week. What was your primary motivation for the things, the good deeds that you did this week? Was it so that you would look good? Was it to receive approval from others? Was it to appease your conscience? Was it so that God would bless you? And let's be honest with ourselves. We do have mixed emotions. And I'm not saying that all of these are 100% bad. But our primary motivation for each good deed that we do should be to bring glory to God. And so it's allowing the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see what are my motiv motivations? And God, how, do you, how can you help me so that my primary motivation in each act of love, in each good deed that I do, is to bring glory to God? 
Another element of fruitfulness is that it shows that we're a disciple of Christ Jesus. In other words, there's a link between fruitfulness and being a disciple. If you are a disciple, you will bear much fruit, Jesus says. In verse 9b and 10 of our text, Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So another element of being fruitful is to abide in God's love, which includes keeping his commands. We're fruitful by abiding in God's love. So we're not doing this in our own strength. We're not doing this by disciplining ourselves more. We're not doing this with our own love generated from our hearts. But it's God's love in us, changing us and flowing through us that enables us to do this. And what are these commands that God calls us to do to bear good fruit? In verse 12 of our text, this is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. We're to love one another. How are you doing at loving one another, those around you? I find some people really easy to love. And I find some people a little or a lot more difficult to love. <laughs> Verse 17 of our text says, These things I command you, so that you will love one another. And so if Jesus is repeating something, it means it's important. Loving one another. Loving one another. A key, key element of obeying God, of being fruitful. Some other commands. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These are good works that God has prepared. Are you aware of the good works that God has prepared for you? And are you seeking to do those? And Matthew 28, 18 to 20, speaks very clearly to all of us the need to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we need to be making disciples, sharing this good news, this, this, this love of God that he has for us, sharing that with others. So how can we be even more fruitful? In verse 4 and 5 of our text, it says, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And for apart from me, you can do nothing. So I want us just to take a couple of minutes to discuss with those beside you Try to go in groups of two, but if it works better to be three, or if there's no one, just reflect on this. Do I believe that this is true? 
that apart from Jesus Christ, I can do nothing. Do I really believe this verse? Go to the next slide a minute. Okay, so discuss with one other person for two minutes. Do I believe this, that apart from Jesus Christ, I can do nothing? Okay, can we start discussing for two minutes? Okay, let's come back together. So I'm not going to give you the answers. <laughs> I think it's an interesting question. And I think there's some of these truths that I'm not sure if we'll fully understand the depth of this truth that Jesus is speaking until we're with Jesus himself uh, after he returns. But I, I do believe it's true somehow because Jesus said it, even if I don't fully understand it. So in order to be fruitful and produce more fruit, we must remain in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to remain in Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be attached to the vine? Well, verse 10 of our, of, our, of our passage, our text says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So remaining in Jesus means to obey him. 
to obey all of his commands. One of the struggles that I think many of us have is we like to pick and choose which commands to obey. Or we like to wait until God gives us our marching orders and then we'll decide whether we obey or not. Rather than saying to God or to the triune God ahead of time, God, whatever you tell me, I will obey. You have an open road. Whatever road you tell me to go, I will obey. Some of us are scared to say that to God. And why are we scared to say that? Because we don't know how good God is. We don't know how loving God is. We don't understand that he knows best. We use our human thinking to try to understand God and understand whether God's instructions are good to us or not. And which should we rely on? Our human thinking or God's commands? So we know that God's commands are better. And yet we struggle with that. And so it's important to acknowledge that struggle and to admit it to God. God, I struggle with that. Help me. Help my unbelief that I don't believe that I can fully trust you, that you're fully, fully good, that you really want the best for me. Because he does. Remaining in Jesus means that we're aware of his presence all of the time. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Are we at the very end of the age yet? No. So God, so Jesus is still with us. He's with all of his disciples. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. So we should be listening. Because prayer is about listening to God and talking to him. I know we sometimes like to focus on the talking to him, telling God what to do, <laughs> thinking we know what's best for us, rather than listening. And when God tells us, our first response again should be, yes, God, help me to do it. Show me the next step to do it. Remaining in Jesus means spending quality time with him. In Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So if Jesus spent significant amounts of time to be with his Father, and they were totally one already, how much more important for us to spend quality time with God? <clears throat> I think of Jesus spent the night on the mountainside with his father before he chose his 12 disciples. And I think, why did he spend the whole night? Did it take him that long to get the name of the 12 names from, from the father? Probably not. Was he negotiating with the father? Saying, God, father, do you really want me to choose that stubborn Peter? 
Do you really want me to choose that tax collector? You know his reputation, how Jews feel about him. Do you really, really want me to take that traitor Judas? Or was he just in, got the names from the father and just enjoying the rest of the time with his father? We don't know what he did that night, but we know that they had a good, good relationship. And that's the kind of relationship we should desire with the triune God. Another key for being more fruitful is embracing the pruning that God is doing in our lives or wanting to do in our lives. I suspect some of us would say, if not many of us, yes, I want to be more fruitful. And yes, I want God to prune. I want him to prune the sin out of my life. I want him to prune so that I'm even more close with him. But God, there's certain things I don't want you to touch. There's certain things I really like doing. I was listening recently to the confessions of Augustine. And just before he actually became a Christian, he said to God, he said, God, I know at some time I want you to remove the lust from my life, but just not yet. He was being honest at where he was. And that's a starting point for us, is to be honest. When we think of pruning, there's certain sins that some of us want to keep hidden, want to hold on to. There's certain activities which may not be sins. Watching TV, playing video games, social media, places to visit on our bucket list, other activities that we may say, well, God, yeah, you can prune some things, but don't touch those. Don't ask me to give up that. And what's that saying? That's saying that I think I know better than God what is truly best for me. And so if we want to be fully fruitful, we need to come to the place where we say to God, God, prune anything and everything you want from my life because I trust you. I, I know that you are a good God. I believe Psalm 119 verse 68 that says you are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your ways, your statutes. If we truly know that verse, then we will say that to God. Do what you want, because you are good. In verse 11 of our text, Jesus says that he wants our joy to be full. Do we, do we believe that? That Jesus wants us to be full of joy. He wants the best for us. So we need to come to really know that God is good. We need to be aware of are there experiences in our life that has hurt us, 
that has made difficult for us to trust God. Think of people who went through the Great Depression and World War II. They struggled to trust that God would provide, and so they wanted a secure bank account. Some who have been hurt by church leaders or others in the church struggle to believe that God can effectively minister through the church. We need to bring these to God. Some people feel that they have been disappointed in a prior pruning. They had certain expectations of God would do this if he prunes me. And that doesn't happen. These issues need to be dealt with in our lives so that we come to a place of fully trusting God, knowing that he is good and he knows and does what is best in your life and my life. An example, another example in my life of God pruning was in the area of leadership. Over the years, I had read much on leadership and I had seen certain attributes of leadership in my life. Three times I was nominated to be general director and three times I was not chosen. So I put it aside. For a year, I read nothing about leadership. I had just gave up all desires for that. Then later, I was nominated again to be general director of SIL Cameroon. And before I let my name stand, I spent a week in prayer and fasting. Because I was at a place where I only wanted that if God wanted it, if it was God's will. He opened the door, and I believe that I was more fruitful for his glory in that role as leadership. That I had put aside more of my own desire, my own desire for affirmation and for my glory in leadership. In conclusion, where is God pruning in your life? I would encourage you to take time to reflect on that. Are you cooperating with his pruning or are you resisting? Do you desire to be more fruitful for the glory of God? Do you believe that good fruit comes from your life only when you remain in Christ Jesus? I would encourage you later today to share with someone of some of what you're observing in your life during coffee time, over lunch, or throughout this coming week, to share with someone so that it becomes even more real in your life and you're working on this. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises. The promise that Jesus is always with us. The promise that he wants our joy. The promise, God, that you are good and that you do good. Father, help us to continue growing in believing this. Help us to cooperate with your pruning. Help us to desire to be more fruitful for your glory, to advance your kingdom. We pray this in the precious and victorious name of Christ Jesus. Amen.